everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports joins me for some fantasy football talk. We're going to dive deep into the fantasy value of several Chargers players and what to expect from Mike Williams in year three. But first, ESPN's Eric Williams shares his offseason observations. We'll also discuss some of the top storylines entering training camp. All right, now joined by ESPN's Eric Williams as the NFL winds down for a bit before training camp gets started here at the end of July. Eric, just saw you last week at minicamp. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Um, you know, I thought the offseason was good for the Chargers. I think they got a lot of work done quietly. Um, and so I think, you know, Coach Lynn is, is probably happy to give the guys a little bit of a break off, although he's concerned about them, you know, getting out of shape a little bit. But it's good for the players to get a rest, get away for a little bit, because um, it's a grind once they get back here in late July. I wanted to start with this because you've covered the team. This, I think this is going to be your seventh season. Uh, what did you notice during off-season workouts that may have been different from past off-seasons? Um, it, it seemed like they kind of dialed things back a little bit in terms of you know what they were doing and conditioning and, and the reps. I think, you know, younger guys are probably getting a lot more rest than maybe they have in the past. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is because this is uh, Coach Lynn's third year now. So the veterans kind of, you know, know the drill, know the system, and maybe don't need as many reps as they did in the past to kind of get uh, acclimated to what they're going to do on offense and defense. Um, I think there's a, there's also um, there's a comfort level, I think, now that maybe there, there weren't in years past, you know, this is the, the, the third year they've been in L.A. now. So they're used to the surroundings, familiar with, you know, just basically how things are run. I guess I just I think maybe to kind of sum it up is it seems like they're a well-run oiled machine now. Yeah. And maybe in years past where they're still kind of trying to figure things out. It seems like they kind of know what they need to do to be success, successful. And the veterans are kind of taking more ownership of that because they know the drill. You know, the offseason for some of these teams, Eric, I look at Green Bay as an example. You have a new quarterback and head coach, those, those dynamics, Flacco and new coaches in Denver. It's nice for the Chargers not to have to spend any time on that that getting-to-know-you stuff. They, they really they know what they have to do coming into offseason workouts, and it's just an opportunity, I think, to, to further build chemistry and maybe even tweak some things going into 2019. I agree with that, and I think it accelerates the development of the team, and it helps you get back to where you were sooner, uh, you know, in terms of where you were competing last season, because you know it works. You you know how to how to be successful both in you know your workout regimen and, and what you're doing on the field to get guys ready. So I, I think that helps push things forward a lot quicker than, like you said, in, in Green Bay or or Oakland um, or Denver where, you know, they're having to get acclimated to new systems, new personnel departments, and, and how they're drafting or, or selecting guys to fit, you know, what's going to happen on the field. And again, I, that gets back to just, you know, chemistry and comfort level, both with the GM, Tom Telesco, and the coach, and kind of knowing what each other wants. Well, the offense is intact. You got the pieces in place in the backfield, at wide receiver, of course, at quarterback. I think the things that I'm going to be looking for – at the start of training camp, the development of some of these guys across the offensive line, Forrest Lamp, probably number one on that list. And then some of these young tackles from Sam Tevy to Trent Scott to Trey Pipkins, the rookie. Uh, what's at the top of your list to watch at the start of training camp with this offense? 
Yeah, I think that's number one is because it's so important is the offensive line and having continuity and chemistry and experience up front. Um, you know, particularly with Russell Okung, you know, who wasn't at mandatory minicamp is, is dealing with a undisclosed, uh, injury. Um, and, and we don't know if he's going to be ready for training camp or not. Um, you need a left tackle in this league, particularly with a guy like Phillip Rivers, who's not mobile and, and makes all his plays for the most part within the pocket. Um, you need an experienced guy on that, that kind of angering that line uh, on the left side. And Okun was that the last couple of years, went to a Pro Bowl yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so what goes on there is going to be important. Are you going to have to play a younger guy there? Is it going to be Sam Heavy that moves over from right tackle to left tackle? And, and then are you going to have to play Trent Scott at right tackle? I think that makes it important for Pipkins to really further his development sooner rather than later because he might actually be on the active roster and, and, and be having to play. Along with that, Forrest Lamp, you know, who had pretty rave reviews during the offseason work when he talked to coaches about his development, that he kind of looked like that guy they drafted a couple years ago. You know, people call him the strongest offensive lineman in that group, and he's now getting uh, first reps at left guard, you know, splitting time with Dan Feeney. Um, so you're going to need a lot of those young guys to really develop during training camp and to, so, so you can feel comfortable with that group going into the start of regular season. No doubt. And you got a guy like Michael Schofield who has that positional versatility. I think Forrest Lamp, even if you could kick him out to tackle if need be, uh, that's something that, that he has experience with. Um, I think a wide receiver, too. After Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin, uh, the, the race for that number four, number five spot in the wide receiver's room is going to be interesting. And then just bringing in Hunter Henry to this offense after being hurt last year with Tyrell Williams going to Oakland, the offense, it's going to be probably just as strong on the outside. It's just going to look a little different, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you lose a player like Tyrell Williams, um, it is going to impact your roster. I mean, Tyrell made a lot of big plays in critical moments for this team when you think about the Cleveland game in Tennessee where he was able to get those big catches. Um, and so that is a loss, but I think they're in a good spot because they have players that can come in and fill those roles. They just don't have the experience that Tyrell had. Obviously, Travis Benjamin is probably going to get more targets now uh, that, that Tyrell is gone. But you're also looking at guys behind him, you know, like Jeremy Davis, Arteva Scott, uh, Dylan Cantrell, Andre Patton. Those are all talented players that we've seen make plays in training camp but we just haven't seen it during the regular season. So it's going to be important when those lights come on, are those guys able to make the same plays that we've seen in off-season work? Um, Artavis in particular, I think, I think because he just has a little bit of wiggle, uh, able to create uh, plays after the catch. I yeah. think he's a guy, if he can stay healthy, uh, that's really going to help them. You know, Travis Benjamin, he really didn't play much last year, and Coach Lynn Point Blank said well, we really didn't need him because of the, the strength that we had with, with Tyrell in there. Travis is a burner, and if, if he can stretch the field for some of these guys like Keenan and Mike Williams and, and Hunter uh, across the middle, uh, I think that just makes the, the offense that much more dangerous, and, and he has the experience too, so uh, I, I think folks maybe forget because the offense was humming last year that, that Travis wasn't a, a big part of it. Yeah, but he made a couple critical catches in that Kansas City game at Kansas City. He absolutely you know, the one did. Down, that puts him in position to score. So he is a guy that, that came through uh, in a critical moment in the game when they needed him. 
Uh, and like you said, he creates mismatches because of his speed. You still have to respect the fact that he could he could run by you at any moment. So that means corners are going to have to back off of him a little bit, and, and teams are going to it'll dictate kind of how teams cover you on the outside, which, as you mentioned, will open up in, things inside for guys like Hunter Henry and, and Keenan Allen. And, and then you mentioned Hunter Henry at, at the start. Um, it just gives you another dimension in your offense. Now you can run two tight ends more. And teams can't assume that you're going to run the football because Hunter is the kind of player that's dynamic in the middle of the field and can run by guys. We saw it that that, that second day at minicamp. He, he was all over the place making plays. Um, and so it just kind of adds another dimension to the offense and makes them even more dangerous because there's so many guys that can make plays with the football, and it, and it makes Phillips' job a lot easier. All right, on defense, Eric, I see a bolstered, healthy linebacking core to start the offseason. I see a secondary with a lot of opportunistic players. And, of course, healthy Bosa and Ingram coming off the edge. There's a lot to like on this side of the ball. There may be some some slight changes here. What's top of mind with this group? For me, I think Gus mentioned it. It's the speed. He said this is the fastest defense he's had since he's been here. And for me, it just kind of reminds me a little bit of what the Seahawks defense looked like the Super Bowl year when they went in 2013 and also what the Jaguars looked like a couple of years ago when they competed toe-for-toe toe with the Patriots and probably should have won that game, to be honest, that they got a little better quarterback play. Um, the way that his defense is set up, he has speed at all three levels. He has versatility where he can play base, he can play nickel, he can play dime, depending on matchups. And so they just need to stay healthy. They have playmakers at all three levels, obviously, Bosa and Ingram. Um, you know, up front at linebacker, Perryman, Thomas Davis, Drew, Drew Tranquil has looked good. Kaiser White, we know he can make plays if he stays healthy. And then the back, and they have Duran James, uh, Casey Hayward, and they had Nas, another guy that can make plays. And, and Rayshon has, has, has played well during the offseason, so it's not a foregone conclusion that Nas is going to be the starter. I just think he likes the depth overall. He likes the way they can play in terms of their speed and getting to the football, creating pass rush. And then it looks like they have a little more depth than they had last year. You know, the secondary with defensive backs coach Ron Miles, every year he turns out a pro bowler, an all-pro. And some of these guys, like Mike Davis and Trevor Williams, undrafted free agents, Trevor looks like he has kind of gotten back to 2017 form. I know you wrote about him last week. Um, That battle between Mike Davis and Trevor Williams is going to be a good one, and I think it's just – it's a benefit to the Chargers to have two guys that can be relied upon opposite Casey Hayward. And then we talk about just guys like Desmond King who can make plays on the football and, and take it the other way. Uh, there's a lot of opportunistic pieces in the secondary, but to have undrafted free agents like uh, Davis and Williams uh, healthy and available, uh, that's a plus for this defense. It's huge, and that's what you need on every championship contending team is you need that. You know, when I covered the Seahawks, Richard Sherman wasn't even a starting corner going into the season where he ended up starting the back half of that year. They had injuries to, to, to Marcus Trufant and Byron Maxwell that allowed Richard to get on the field and kind of show the kind of player he was. And I feel like, you know, when you look at their, their roster at cornerback, they have some guys like that in the back end. You know, Brandon, I think it's Faycon or Faison. I always struggle with which way to say that. Um, he's a player. He's a guy that, that can maybe work his way into a starting lineup on another team, uh, but he just hasn't gotten the reps. But when you see him, at times he flashes. 
And right now he's your third string cornerback. Desmond is a guy, again, that maybe doesn't get enough shine as, as he deserves, but he's one of the better slot cornerbacks in the league and he can move outside and play a little bit of cornerback or he could play a little bit of free safety. So those kind of players give you some versatility in the depth that you need because we know guys are going to get injured in football. That's just the way it is. All, all 53 of your players on the active roster at the start of week one aren't going to make it through the entire season without a couple of those guys getting healthy. So you have to build depth and be ready for guys to come in behind them and, and still play at the level that you need them to play in order to, to reach Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly these rookies pick things up in training camp. But you mentioned Rayshon Jenkins. Tom Telesco said he's been very impressed with Rayshon at free safety. You also have Jalen Watkins, who was mm-hmm. – that was a that was a tough loss, Eric, last year in the preseason that – I don't know if it got enough shine just because it happened so early. But uh, to lose a guy like Jalen Watkins as early as the Chargers did, you know, it kind of put them in, in tough positions. And, and now that seems to be – I don't want to say it's a strength, but you have a lot of different pieces there that you could put uh, alongside Derwin, depending on uh, how quickly Adderley develops. Well, you won't say it, but I'll say it. I, it is a strength. I mean, you didn't even mention Adrian Phillips, who uh, went to a Pro Bowl. Pretty good player. He's like, I just, I, I, AP's like a do-it-all, man. I, I don't think even AP yeah. has a position. Yeah, you can, you can move them all over the place. And again, that kind of adds to your depth because you can play five different spots for you and, and, and be assignment correct and, and make plays for you. Yeah, Jalen um, not being there last year really hurt you because he was a guy that could have played free safety and been solid and maybe freed up uh, them to, to move Jaleel around a little bit more instead of having him play free safety. And now you have Jalen back there along with Nas, along with uh, Rayshon who's playing better and more comfortable back there playing free safety uh, now that he's got the reps. And another guy we haven't talked about but who made you know, like three or four interceptions during minicamp is Roderick Teamer. Uh, yeah. Uh, undrafted rookie, I believe, out of Tulane. I mean, just made plays all over the place. Again, it's just kind of a testament to how uh, Tom Telesco has built up this roster since he's been here. And I do believe that this is the most talented roster that the Chargers have had since Tom's been in charge since 2013. You know what's interesting about Teamer is like two weeks before minicamp, I was talking to Adrian Phillips about something else, and it was almost like kind of a throwaway. He's like, hey, we got this guy – who has three picks in two days, and this was during OTAs, talking about Roger Teamer, and then he he follows it up with a with a pair of uh, interceptions on day one of minicamp. You know, Tom Telesco has said that these rookies, it, it's really about learning. We're going to learn more about who they are as NFL players uh, during training camp when it comes to competition. But to, to leave a, a, a final impression before you go away for five weeks, Teamer, he, he had a pretty good week. Yeah, it certainly helps to be able to put that on film so coaches can see that and have an, an idea of, okay, this guy's a ball hawk. He can take the ball away. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, Miles and, and Bradley and those defensive coaches are looking for, guys that take the ball away and give it back to your, your offense, which is one of the best offenses in the league. Um, but you also have to kind of, you know, have a little bit of reservation with that because you haven't put the pads on yet. And we know that football is played with pads on. So you want to see how guys adjust to the physicality of the game once you start going full pads and and and, and you're you're playing a little bit faster. You know, preseason games are going to be important in kind of evaluating those players that are kind of flashing and making plays during OTAs when you're just in shirt and shorts. Eric, with training camp at the end of July, Jerry Tillery and Nazir Adderley in particular, what do you want to see from those guys from? 
you know, I want to say that maybe like the first couple of weeks, just in, in terms of how quickly they pick up things. Um, the preseason games, I think in particular, and those joint practices are going to be very important for those guys. Yeah, I think the first thing you just want to see is them on the field, <laughs> you know, just healthy. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing that you want to see. You don't want to see them, you know, the begin the season on the pup and or you know they're not able to get on the field the first couple of weeks because those first couple of weeks reps are really important. You know, basically when you start training camp is you're starting to prepare for the, the first game. You know, you're starting to prepare for the Colts, and so if you're not able to get those rookies on the field healthy and getting reps so they can get acclimated so they can be contributors week one, then you know they're kind of behind. Um, starting this season, and it's really hard to catch up. Um, so you're, you're hopeful that both of those guys are healthy enough that they can start training camp, full go, get the reps that they need so they can get comfortable. And then in, in preseason, get them in there for, you know, 10, 15 plays, and, and hopefully they make a play or two. You just want to get them acclimated and as comfortable and as part of that, that team as possible so they feel like they can, they can go once uh, the first game starts in, in September. Eric, final thing for you. Isaac Rochelle wrote an open letter about social media habits and his See You on Sunday initiative. Uh, you helped him with uh, on ESPN. How did the letter come to be? Uh, we talked about this offline. Isaac's a great guy. He's He's got a lot of different uh, interests outside of football. And uh, this initiative has really kind of picked up steam. Yeah, I mean, Isaac, like you said, is just a unique guy. Obviously, went to Notre Dame, um, has an interesting perspective. Um, I got to know Isaac last year uh, when at the Chargers Invitational. I believe, believe it was up in the Riviera. Uh, a couple guys got left uh, by the bus. And so um, I was just walking to my car, and uh, they were going to call an Uber for, for Isaac uh, and, and James Anawala, who was with the team last year, and both those guys were Notre Dame guys. Uh, but I said, hey, I just saw that reporter, uh, you know, just leave. Maybe we can just get a ride with him. Um, and so I ended up giving Isaac and James a ride back from Riviera to the facility and, and nice. How about that? conversation. <laughs> I, I was, I was their Uber, uh, back to Costa Mesa. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we talked for a while and just, you know, had the interesting perspective. And I think from there, we kind of just sparked a relationship and we've always kind of had that back and forth. Um, you know, I wrote a story on his photography, um, you know, just kind of his interest in that. And then from that, he started talking about the see you on Sunday initiative, which is, you know, taking a break from social media and you can, you know, which you can be on a lot. Certainly my kids spend their, their fair share of time on that. And I think it's a great idea to, to just kind of take Saturday as a break from social media and really go out and enjoy other things and, and get back to it on, on Sunday. And so he came up with the concept and, and wanted to, to write it as a first person, you know, letter, which I think was great. Um, the response has been, been great to to the letter i think he's reached a, a number of different people and, and kind of encouraging them to to kind of dial back social media and talked about his you know his entry into social media as a high schooler with facebook and then you know being recruited and and everything that got the kind of pressure that's exuded on you you know through your recruiting days and then how it just kind of ramped up for him you know since his high school days now he's kind of trying to dial back a little bit it makes a lot of sense. It, it's difficult for folks like you and I who have to be on the lookout for news <laughs> and, and things like that over yeah. the weekends. But it, it makes a ton of sense. And Isaac's actually doing a game night this Saturday, uh, June 22nd from 7 to 930. It's at Newport Beach uh, Daydream Surf Shop. So 
uh, play some games with Isaac and and some other folks. And it's a, again, it's a great initiative because it does, it makes you think about how much we're actually looking at our phones and how much we're spending on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, A lot of that time, you probably are going to want back when you look back on it, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of his comments that really struck me was, you know, you're having dinner with somebody, you're in a, a, a social interaction and you're looking at your phone at other people's social interaction instead of really being in tune with the people that you're with at that time. And I think that's really what it's about is it's enjoying those moments where you have that, that interaction with people at that moment versus, you know, kind of scrolling through your phone, looking at other people's interaction. And maybe that's something you can do on your downtime when you're at home, you would be reading or, or watching TV or doing something else. Maybe that's kind of a better time to be doing that kind of stuff. No doubt. Eric Williams, part-time Uber driver. Was there surge pricing involved <laughs> from Riviera to Orange County? That's a that's a long trek, man. No, it was on the house. <laughs> hey, man, I, I always appreciate your time. Always great insight. And uh, we'll be at the Jack Hammett Sports Complex before you know it, man. Enjoy your time off. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to the end of July. All right, Chargers fans, a reminder that the full 2019 training camp schedule has been released. Visit chargers.com slash camp to pre-register for the days you want to attend camp. There are 13 open practices to the public, including joint practices with the Rams and Saints. And there's something for everybody. You can greet players in the high five zone before practice, autograph opportunities after practice, interactive games, you meet alumni, the Charger girls, and much more. Again, visit chargers.com slash camp to pre-register today. All right, we've done this during the slower months of the offseason before, and I always say it, it's never too early to get a head start on fantasy football. Now joining me, Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. He's on the line. He's the creator of Reception Perception, and he does awesome work for Yahoo. Matt, what's up, buddy? Chris, it's so good to be talking to you. You know, we were chopping it up a little bit before we started rolling here, and it's really kind of that one dead time of the NFL calendar where almost, almost, you know, almost nothing happens. The league always finds a way to make sure that we talk about it at all times, yeah. uh, which is beautiful. We, we love it. You know, it keeps, uh, it keeps food on the table, so to speak. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of break here, but there's always something to discuss, and, you know, especially with wide receivers and fantasy and everything coming up. I, I still have so many takes burning that I'm ready to get off. All right, Harmon, for the purposes of today, I wanted to go through the fantasy football chargers and where and when to draft some of these guys. And we'll start at the quarterback position. Phillip Rivers, this is a guy who seems to be drafted late, and he always delivers around top 10 fantasy numbers. Uh, What do you see from Phillip Rivers in year 16? Yeah, Rivers is like the perfect example of why – you just kind of have to draft your quarterbacks late at this point. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in, I mean, obviously look like who doesn't want to get excited about Patrick Holmes. You know, he's going in like the third round right now in most casual drafts. And, and I, I get it. Right. And there's even some real tremendous quarterback value. You know, I was in an analyst draft a couple weeks ago and, and got Aaron Rodgers very, very late. Um, you know, it, it's, just one of those things where you can almost always outweigh your opponent. And a guy like Philip Rivers is such a perfect example of this because Rivers is not necessarily going to give you top five ceiling every single week, but in shootout potential games, you know, especially with a team like the Chiefs in the division, that's going to happen. 
Um, you know, th- those ceiling weeks are available. It's not going to be a weekly thing, but, you know, he's a guy that you can always plug into your starting lineup as a streamer. You know, he might be your number two quarterback if you like to do those type of leagues, like a super flex or a two QB type of situation. And you have just so much security there. You know, personally, watching Philip Rivers, I don't think he's lost anything. I think he's still right up there among, you know, one of the few difference-making quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, this offense right now is still stacked with a lot of good players around him. So, you know, I do think that the Chargers are a little bit more of a run-leaning team than most NFL teams right now here in 2019. But at the same time, Rivers is just bankable production every year, and you can always get him at a value, which, again, it just goes back to the point. If you're drafting in a start-one-quarterback league, it just doesn't make much sense to – spend high equity on a quarterback when they do have just so many replaceable options out there. And the thing about Phillip too, Harmon, is that his running backs, they catch the football, right? I mean, Melvin Gordon's one of the best dual threat running backs in the league. You have Austin Eckler, even guys like Justin Jackson and, and Detrez Newsome, if necessary, they could put up numbers in the backfield. But I just look at Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and the return of Hunter Henry. There's going to be weeks where Phillip puts up big time numbers. And to your point, it, it may be best to, to draft him late, draft another quarterback with starting caliber quality late as well and just really play the matchups during the season Mm -hmm, exactly right and there's just so many guys that you could do that with i mean you can easily pair you know a philip rivers with uh you know no one's super inspired by andy dalton at this point but dalton right now we've seen that when he is paired with good surrounding talent and a good coaching staff that he can be a, a good fantasy quarterback, even if he's not a great NFL. I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's a great NFL quarterback at this point. You could platoon a guy like Phillip Rivers with a guy like Josh Allen, who you know goes off the board after the top 15 quarterbacks, but was the number one fantasy quarterback to fit the last half of the or the last month of the season last year. How about you know, he that? Has great running potential, <laughs> which is wild, right? Like and it, that just again goes to show you the the potential of these guys, especially the guys who run, which Rivers is, of course, not one of them, but these guys that can run a little bit that you can get late, you can get access to a ceiling that way. And, and a week where you're not going to want to play Josh Allen against a good defense or something like that because he could easily go out there and chuck three picks and not throw a touchdown, then you go and throw Phillip Rivers in there for that bankable production. So it, it does give you a lot of opportunities for a good platoon situation there yeah you look at the preseason rankings qb 13 qb 15 qb 18 so philip can be had in later rounds and uh, there's gonna be certain weeks where he he more than makes up for uh being drafted as late as he is being drafted so uh melvin gordon seems to be the the first round lock for the chargers top five pick top seven pick um few players were as good as him to start the year harmony i think he had at least 22 fantasy points in five of his first six games, that knee injury kind of derailed the second half of his season. But uh, when this guy's healthy, he's as good as anybody. Oh, no doubt. And like this is the crazy part about running back this year. I think you know the last few seasons we've looked at it as oh, you know, it's kind of the position is is getting a little weaker. Um, you know, it's very risky to draft these guys high. And I know that risk is still there, by the way. You know, that that's all still real. These guys can get hurt. I mean, Belvin Gordon is, is kind of an example of that. You know, injuries have slowed him down, you know, multiple times in his career, not just the end of last season. So that's something that you have to worry about with Gordon. But he is part of a top group of running backs right now that it's really hard to parse out in this second tier. I think the first four picks are locked for everybody. You know, it's Ezekiel Elliott. It's Saquon Barkley. It's Alvin Kamara. It's Christian McCaffrey. 
you can throw those guys on almost any order that you want, and I'm going to be okay with it. Who's your so number one, Harmon? I think it's Alvin Kamara, Chris. I think it's Alvin Kamara because I think that he's, number one, he's such a special player that I think he has kind of a bonkers season in his range of outcomes at some point. And, like, that's totally heuristic. It's it's not like – I didn't just give you any hard data when I said that, but – when you're parsing between these top four picks, that's kind of what you have to do. You have to throw in a little bit of narrative, a little bit of storytelling here. And you know, also, if you look at Alvin Kamara, of course, Mark Ingram is gone. I think that's a big loss for the Saints. And Latavius Murray's a fine back, but he's a downgrade from Mark Ingram. So I, I look at, I look at that, you know, backfield totally in control of Alvin Kamara. If you look at just the rest of the Saints' offense, there's not a ton of great options behind Michael Thomas in the wide receiver group, at least no one that's really proven. You know, they bring in Jared Cook as a tight end, but I think Kamara has, you know, 100 catches in his range of outcomes and still like another 1,300 rushing yards on top of that. You know, I think he has the potential to just go absolutely wild, especially as the offense transitions more to a small ball offense, which we saw late last year with Drew Brees. So he's my number one because I think it's a, it's a ceiling play among all of these guys. Harmon, does Austin Eckler – have value in later rounds. I believe he does. I think there's going to be certain weeks where he puts up starting quality numbers. You may not know what the matchup is going to dictate, but Austin has certainly proved that you know he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he's good for a, for a, a splash play or two during the course of the season. Yeah, I think that was you mentioned it earlier that with both of these running backs, they're involved in the passing game, and that's huge for for fantasy. And, you know, Eckler, to his credit, has averaged just 10.3 yards per catch and 10.4 yards per catch each of the last two seasons. So he's a stable receiver. I think he's a steady presence in that offense. And I don't think, I don't see him going anywhere. Also, his yards per carry, too, was also very stable. And, you know, these are metrics that will fluctuate year to year. So maybe this is a year where we see um, him come back down to earth a little bit. But I think the involvement is still going to be there. You know, and as you mentioned, you're not really going to be able to predict the weeks for Austin Eckler. I mean, it will certainly be, look, if he's, if he's going to be involved in a shootout-type game script, maybe, you know, as a Hail Mary flex type of play, you throw him out there. But the real value, I think, for him is, of course, if Gordon goes down again, I think he's going to see a bump in opportunity. I don't necessarily think that he can be a featured back like Gordon, but he'll certainly be the leading contender to lead the team in touches anytime Gordon's not playing. And really where I think you like Austin Eckler is in a best ball situation, which is coming to Yahoo in the next uh, month or so. We're going to be launching our best ball product, which if your listeners are not familiar with best ball, a few other sites have done it before. It's kind of one of the first big major websites to go out there and do a best ball game. It's where you don't pick your starting lineup every week. You just draft the team at the beginning of the season and leave it alone. And then your top scoring lineup every week is the one that gets submitted. Whoever has the most points at the end of the year wins. So it's a very different, much more low-maintenance type of fantasy. And I think that's where you really like Austin Eckler because you don't have to try to guess those weeks that he's going to pop, but you're going to get credit for them one way or another. All right, before we move to the receivers, I want you to explain reception perception. You're the creator of it. Um, it's an awesome tool to kind of gauge what these receivers have done in the past. Uh, ex- explain reception perception, Harmon. Yes, reception perception is is my baby, as you mentioned. Uh, I developed it, really unleashed it about five years ago now. Um, spent many months trying to perfect the process beforehand. Uh, so what I was doing is I over an eight-game sample for NFL players. I chart every single route that they run in that eight-game sample, 
how often they run each particular route, how op- how often they get open on each particular route, what type of coverages do they get open against most, you know, man, zone, press, um, and really uh, just anything you want to know about a wide receiver, reception perception is going to try to tell you that. It's really a tool where not only can you see, you know, for example, you know, a player like Tyler Lockett is a good example that, hey, if this guy's healthy and he gets the opportunity, which we saw this past year, he's going to be very good because he can run routes like a pro. You know, he can get open. He can separate versus a variety of coverages. So you can kind of use it to identify who's going to be good before they're good, or you can use it as a way to just really understand players and where their strengths are. You know, there are certain guys who aren't great in the separation metrics, but then they are good at uh, separating versus zone coverage or recycling through underneath defenses, or they're good at the contested catch game. So it's really a, in my opinion, it's a way to understand and categorize a position that within itself is so unique. You know, a wide receiver is not a wide receiver. is not a wide receiver. I mean, you can even look at the Chargers guys. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams play the game very, very differently. And I think reception perception helps us understand that. Yeah, and they complement each other nicely. And we'll start with Keenan Allen. The last two seasons have looked very similar. He, he's played in all 16 regular season games. Uh, he's come on late. You may want to see the the touchdown production up a little bit, but uh, in terms of PPR, Keenan Allen's your guy. Yeah, and Keenan Allen is, is such a stud, man. Uh, and reception perception has been in on that from kind of the, the jump of that 2015 season um, where he cleared the 93rd uh, percentile in success rate versus man coverage. Um, he's And actually every single season that I've looked at him, whether it was 2015, uh, of course the injury was in 2016, so I didn't chart that sample, but uh, 2017 and 2018, he's consistently cleared that 93rd percentile over of players charted the last five years in success rate versus man coverage. So really, Keenan Allen, um, if you want to talk about getting open, separating on the inside, separating on the outside, separating in the vertical game, the intermediate game, and the short game, no matter what you throw at him, Keenan Allen is one of the best and running around in the NFL, you know, cleanly releasing from the line of scrimmage, anything you wanted to do. I mean, he is just an unbelievable player in this regard. I mean, he's one of the guys that certainly in reception perception over the last five years sets the standard for route running, separation, and good technique at the position. Matt, would you be comfortable with Keenan Allen as your wide receiver one in 2019? This is the beautiful part about the wide receiver position this year because I was talking about that second tier of running backs with your Melvin Gordons, your David Johnsons, your, your Le'Veon Bells, that it's creating a lot of value at the wide receiver position. Right now, Keenan Allen kind of goes around the, the tail end of that wide receiver one range, but it's highly possible, Chris, you know, if you want to, to – the, 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 just the best way to, uh, if you get a top four pick this year, you could take one of those tier one running backs, and then you come back on that two three turn, and you're able to stack. You know, you forego running back at that pick, and then you're able to stack an AJ Green and a Keenan Allen, or yeah. you know, uh, Stephon Diggs and a and a Keenan Allen. Like that is a very possible collection of your top two receivers. And that's going to be tough to beat, man, especially if you have one of those stud running backs like an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, whatever. So him going around that range in the same vein of guys like Adam Thielen, A.J. Green, that's just a lot of value at the wide receiver position this year. All right, Harmon, I have to ask you this because I don't know if I'm missing something with Mike Williams this year. He had 11 total touchdowns. I think it was fourth in the league among wide receivers. Tyrell Williams is now in Oakland. 
Yet I see Mike Williams as wide receiver 30, wide receiver 27. Uh, What am I missing here? Because I see more opportunities for Mike Williams. I see him playing across from Keenan Allen, uh, a big guy who is a uh, a touchdown magnet and and is probably going to get more targets in 2019. Yeah, these are always the interesting debates in fantasy, and it it kind of – you have to – this is another situation where you have to use your imagination a little bit, right? Because – there's, of course, almost no way that he, uh, that he will maintain the touchdown per target rate that we saw last year. You know, 10 touchdowns on 66 targets is pretty un- unsustainable. However, then you have to ask yourself, is Mike Williams good enough to earn a volume bump? You know, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way that he sees 66 targets this year. I, mean, I would take the over no matter what. You just have to ask yourself, how many more opportunities can he get? And I think Hunter Henry coming back is another big X factor to discuss here, especially in the red zone, in scoring chances. I think those guys could dig into each other a little bit. But Mike Williams, in terms of the type of player he is and whether he is good enough to command that volume bump, I came away really impressed with Mike Williams, you know, more than I, more than I thought he would, more than I thought I would. And, and look, he's not, one, he's not like Keenan Allen when it comes to earning separation. You know, he's a guy that finished below the 30th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage this past year. You know, he's not going to win a lot of one-on-one separation battles with the cornerback, but he has a clear dominant trait. You know, he saw a contested catch attempt on a third of his sample targets and reception perception and maintained an outrageously high 84.6% conversion rate. You know, that's top 20 type numbers in that metric over the last five years. That's just, we know that is his dominant trait. And not to mention, he's also, if he's going to get separation, it's going to be on those vertical post routes, the nine route, you know, because he is a long strider and he can beat defenders in that way. So I think he has enough clearly defined strengths to become not just a bit player, but a featured player in this Chargers offense. I think, you know, at that point, if he's going to be a wide receiver three for your fantasy team, you know, then I think that's, very good value, especially again in a situation where you can get two secure guys like an AJ Green. I mean, AJ Green has injury risk, but just hypothetically, if he's going to play all 16 games, him, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, these guys just get stacked early, and then you come back a couple rounds later and you get a guy with a high weekly ceiling like Mike Williams. I think, again, that's going to make the team pretty tough to beat. Yeah, I was just talking to Eric Williams from ESPN about this too. The Travis Benjamin is healthy now, and he didn't play a lot in 2018. Just his speed alone, um, and Travis talked about this during offseason workouts, his speed opens up the field for guys like Mike Williams, for guys like Hunter Henry. And it's a nice segue into Hunter because tight end is an absolute crapshoot. Um, there's guys like Kittle and, and Kelsey and Ertz at the top. But – Hunter, I mean, this is a probably a top five, the top seven, eight tight end, uh, even though he didn't play last year. Yeah, I think you have to look at Hunter Henry as one of the healing after the top three guys. And as you mentioned, top three guys locked in. Travis Kelsey, yes. Zach Ertz, yes. George Kittle, yes. Um, after that, though, it gets very murky. And then you have to start to debate between like an O.J. Howard, you know, or a Hunter Henry. Do you think Evan Ingram takes a step forward in the Giants offense? But I definitely look at those tier two guys, you know, O.J. Howard and Hunter Henry, 
as my favorites there. I'm not really in on Eric Ebron when he goes in the sixth, seventh round. I think people are banking too much on opportunity that might be changing this this coming season. But for Hunter Henry, it's hard to find any negatives at this point. You know, he should be long since recovered from the injury that took him out last year. Um, I think he should be ready to go. I think he should be at this point. You know, maybe he's even more of a future part than than Mike Williams uh, in this offense because that's just how good of a player I think he can be. So if you want to pay up for a tight end in that second tier, Hunter Henry probably right up there with O.J. Howard in terms of my favorite option. Again, the sample size is small, but his rookie year – I mean, he had eight touchdowns. Phillip Rivers found that that instant connection with Hunter. And to have a Mike Williams and Hunter Henry on the field at the same time, we haven't seen it before. So I think it is worth discussing, like, who's going to get the lion's share of targets in the red zone? Who's going to be in the end zone more than the other? Um, that's TBD. But, you know, I think that also bodes well for Phillip Rivers certain weeks because you know that he's got reliable targets on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does kind of at this point all intersect back to Phillip Rivers. And, you know, it, you're right to bring up Travis Benjamin, too, because I think his offense is really good. But at the same time, you know, it's a little bit top-heavy with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon as a skill position players. Those guys obviously are all very good, but I'm interested in those some of those ancillary pieces. Like, who steps up as the number three receiver, the number four receiver? Um, is it Austin Eckler just being a key part every single week? So Chargers offense is very fascinating. A lot of guys to, to have good debates about in fantasy. All right, we can gloss over kicker special teams, but I tell you what, Chargers have themselves a kicker, Michael Badgley. He was money last year um, when he consistently got in the lineup, and we just talked about all the scoring opportunities. You know, Badge could be a, a guy that you, you scoop up in, in the last round of your draft. Yeah, I mean, good, good luck to you, if you, you, you with the kicker situation. <laughs> like, kickers... Kickers uh, in fantasy, not my forte. I- I'm not going to pretend to tell you like I like I know all the kicking algorithms that are going to predict everything. But uh, you know, it is it is a, a situation like if you put a lot of time and effort into your kicker research, it, it can be a difference maker if you play on a daily fantasy platform that that makes you use a kicker, or if you your league is still using kickers. Like, don't totally gloss over the position. And just go with the guy whose name you know. Uh, Chris is right to bring up a guy like Badley, who people probably don't know about, but you know is in a good offense, and that's really what you're looking for. Is the offense going to be good? Are the scoring opportunities going to be there? That's what you're going to want to chase. And I think we both agree that if the Chargers are that team, and finally. Again, defense, you can kind of put in that same category. You're looking for sacks, you're looking for interceptions, and you're looking for opportunities for touchdowns. And when I see Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, when I see Desmond King as a punt returner and what he can do in the secondary, opportunistic guys like Derwin James and Casey Hayward, um, you have the opportunity for sacks, interceptions, and touchdowns. Yeah, and defense definitely matters. And that's like that can be a big difference maker to you, especially, again, if you're playing daily fantasy on a place like Yahoo, like, you're not taking down a big tournament if your defense doesn't hit. You know, six, seven points, like a solid outing, and an outing that you're not going to hate from your defense in a regular season-long league, that's not what you're looking for when you're playing, like, a daily fantasy platform and you want to take down a big tournament. You want one of those weeks where, as you mentioned, sacks, interceptions, turnovers, a, a potential defensive touchdown. And the Chargers are certainly one of those units – Along, along with the 49ers late as well, too, I mentioned them. Like, If you see a good ascending group of pass rushers, which, look, I mean, Joey Bosa and, and Melvin Ingram obviously fit, 
Um, also, uh, the rookie they drafted this year, I think, could be huge too because they don't they did where they had those two great exterior rushers. Now they have a potential guy up the middle, you know, yeah. and I think that can just increase the disruption. And then you see that they have good pieces in the secondary. I mean, Derwin James, they just drafted a good running mate for him this year. Uh, they have good cornerbacks, obviously. I, I think that this Chargers defense certainly can be one of those that, hey, when they're going to get a big lead on a bad team this year, which, again, we like the offense, that should happen, you're going to want to play them that week in Daily Fantasy because there will be options as they're playing from ahead for Bosa, Ingram, these artillery to just pin their ears back and go after sacks and force quarterbacks into into mistakes. So I could see the Chargers being one of those defenses on a, you know, every so we, every so weak, uh, you know, basis that they're a team that is very high up there in terms of the weekly defensive rankings. No doubt, Matt Harmon, Yahoo Sports. Matt, I know we're kind of entering this this dead time of the NFL, but what do you have going on over the next five weeks and actually going into training camp in the preseason that fans can check out? Yeah, I'm, I'm headed towards a big vacation, but it still feels like a lot is going on in terms of my workload, which is, uh, I don't think that's how it's supposed to feel. I don't know if I know how to vacation right, but... <laughs> Nobody uh, does. Nobody does, Matt. <laughs> not in our business. Not in our business. You know, there's, no, there's never an off day. There's never a day where you can truly turn it off. Um, but I think that right now, like, if you guys are interested in some of the reception perception content that I mentioned, um, I have already charted out the top 50 receivers for this year. They're all available in the fantasy football's ultimate draft kit. So while you get great, you know, tiers and rankings and everything like that for your fantasy leagues from the ultimate draft kit, you also get all this route running information that I mentioned about Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you'll be able to check out their profiles, their route charts, all this data on those guys. And, you know, if you just go to receptionperception.com, there's a link to buy the ultimate draft kit through there. I promise you, you, you will, you will find it worth your while. Also doing a podcast series through profiling, some of the top rookies heading into this year called Rookie Orientation, where you can subscribe. It's another thing that I promise is very different from all the other podcasts you hear out there. Uh, check it out uh, wherever you get your podcast. Awesome stuff, dude. I promise our listeners will get you on before the start of the regular season, talk a little fantasy football. Always appreciate your time, buddy. Hey, brother, like I said, never off, so you know how to find me. All right, that's going to do it. My thanks to Matt Harmon and Eric Williams for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Now, I know it's the slow time of the year, but we're going to keep this podcast going throughout the majority of the summer. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Have a great week, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.